from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's finally here. The NBA playoffs, after so much conversation about what might happen, what's going to happen, what could come, where there's pressure this weekend, all of the storylines start to play out. And that means it's time to make some predictions. We already did it for the Western Conference, but now it's time to do it for the other side. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't miss spring break deals at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now through April 25th, get 15% off when you buy a set of brake best select or import direct brake pads and two rotors. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. It is time for the Slate of Chaos. That music can mean only one thing. Now it's time to dance the electric slide. Hey, what? The Slate of Chaos is here. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through the East, and we're going to make our predictions. Did we ever make our official? How many games did you say it was going to take the Grizzlies, by the way, to beat the Lakers? Because you took the Grizzlies over the Lakers last hour, but I don't remember if we said how many games. No, I didn't. I'm going to go... I'm going to go six. That's my common thing, like (laughs) six. I'm going with that one in six. It's the safest amount of number. I'm going with six, too. Uh, We agreed on every series in the West... We got to be better. We got to do better. We're going to find argument here. And we're going to start with obviously the matchup everybody's got all eyes on. Bulls, Bucks. I mean, it might be. We'll know after the play in, but, but relax, Miami. We'll get to you in a second. Uh, if the Bulls take on the Bucks, you think they got any shot at all of beating Giannis? Like, for me, Bulls, Bucks, I'm going to make this simple. Bucks and four. What do you got? I got the Bucks and five. Are we missing anything? Is there something I'm not saying other than, you know, shrieking no. children and free throws? Like, is there any way that, that Well, I, I would say this. One of the things I do love about, you know, Chicago is that they, they have two prolific scores. Um, you got Adam Levine who can get his own shot. He can go off. He had 30 points in the second half the other night but, uh, when just having nine at, at halftime and finished with 39. You also have a guy, DeMar DeRozan, the mid-game, mid-range assassin, um, a guy who's very prideful, loves the game of basketball, and doesn't take anything for granted. So when you have two guys like that, anything can happen. Then you got Vucevic, who also can, you know, add something to the to, to the game as well. But I still think this is a series that the Milwaukee Bucks will, will dominate if it's the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I think to your point, if you're Chicago, you're frustrated because you have a lot of pieces that look like they should make sense when they come together, but they're not coming together to be even competitive against Milwaukee. Now, you're right; it might not be them. It could also be. Bucks versus Heat. Man, I don't know. Miami made me nervous in the Atlanta game. What did I tell you going into that game? Miami's big issue is that for some reason they can't shoot the three. And then what did they do in that game against Atlanta? They just disappeared shooting the basketball at one point. So uh, Miami's offense makes me nervous. It makes me nervous for the play-in game. I'm taking Chicago to win the play-in game uh, tonight. I think Miami's season's going to end. But if they get to Milwaukee, uh, it's just a bad matchup all the way around. I think Milwaukee sweeps either of these teams. Yeah, I'm also taking uh, the Chicago Bulls in that game tonight as well. For the series, I think this is another matchup for the Milwaukee Bucks where they should be able to win this without struggling. So I got them against either one of those teams. So if, if it's them against the Bulls, I got the Bucks winning in five. If it's them against you know the Miami Heat, I still have them winning in five as well. 
All right, so let's go to the next series. Nets, Sixers. I mean, it's kind of funny that the Nets are even in this position considering how weird this year has gone for them from expectations at the beginning yeah. of the year to expectations post-trades to expectations to where they are now. But they're taking on a Philly team that, Harry, not only do I think Philly wins this series, but I think Philly needs to win this series efficiently. They need to win this series in four or five games, which I think they will. Uh, but it's important because they're about to have a gauntlet of a stretch. So uh, you don't want to waste extra games early on these Eastern Conference rounds because you're going to need those legs later in the playoffs. Well, they say great minds think alike, and that's one, that was one of the things that I thought about is that if you're going to end up going against the Boston Celtics in the next round, then you don't want to be wasting games and wasting rest that you could be getting by beating this team you know, early, early on. I think it will go five. I think the, the Nets will probably win one game. It can easily be a sweep, though. I, I don't see anybody matching up with Joel Embiid for the, for, for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, that's the biggest problem. You talk about a guy who's going to be the MVP and you have nobody on your front line that's going to be able to match up with them, period. So I think he's going to be dominant in this, in this matchup, and I think they're going to win it early enough to get some more rest before the other series ends. Yeah, I think Joel Embiid is going to absolutely destroy this series. Yeah. And you're right, it, it's a five-game prediction feels like the, the right prediction, but I'm still going to go four because I think they come out with a thunder of the gods. While we're talking about good teams taking on maybe eh, teams, let's take a look West at... West stop. Hawks, Celtics. <laughs> Hawks, Celtics. All right. Uh, so what do you, what I, do hit you, you with, I hit you with that big... I hit you with that big boy from Outcast. Boy, stop. Mm-hmm. No, that, now, when we ahead. look at this series, don't underestimate, you know, Capella, Okongwu, those guys being able to rebound at a high level. You do have Jajante Murray, Trey Young. Um, you have a lot of John Collins, you know, Bogey coming off of the bench, being a scorer as well. Sadiq Bay had a big game against the Miami Heat. They, 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 traded, they traded for him. I think this is a series that will go six games, six games with the Boston Celtics winning. Now, the Atlanta fan in me wants to say the Atlanta Hawks are going to win, and I hope they do win, but I got to be reasonable, right? I think the Boston Celtics win the series in six. Okay, so I think you're right about the rebounding edge, and by the way, that was a huge part of how they beat Miami, right? Like, they just – it wasn't just a rebounding edge. It was an out-hustle to every loose ball. Like, the Hawks came out with a level of give-a-damn we don't always see in the NBA. It was a huge difference in that game. It's still a statement of Miami, too, that they didn't match that level of intensity in a game that meant that much. So I do like that portion of it. I just feel like the Celtics are really stinking good. The Celtics are going to win this series in f- five? I'll say five. Five's only one different than you said. No, five Celtics and five. Average margin well, can, of victory is going to be like really forty. Like, like the yeah, true, yeah. the the true Atlanta fan in me, um, I'm going to always say the Hawks are going to win this series. But at the same time, see, I'm a media member and I got to be logical. You know, at the same time, so I got to give y'all, you know, media Harry. So media Harry has the Celtics in six. Atlanta fan Harry, ATL, stand up. I have the Hawks advancing. If the Hawks steal one in in uh, Boston early in this series, does it change the way you mm-hmm. see the whole series? No, I, I still I still believe that you know the Celtics okay. are winning the six. I just have so much firepower, right? And you yeah. got guys coming off the bench that that could possibly be starters on other teams. I, I think that'd be too much for the Hawks to overcome. I, also, like I don't think this is a statement about negative from the bottom of the East. It's just a statement about how good the top of the East is. So let's go to the yeah. matchup that apparently is going to be the tightest. I think most of us feel this way. Knicks Cavaliers. 
I mean, the, these are two teams. You and I have talked a lot about the Cavs. They don't get a ton of love. The Cavs are a team that they're a young team that's played really well. If Sacramento hadn't been as wild as Sacramento was this year, I think the Cavs could have been the darling of the NBA. But they take on a Knicks team that, frankly, you got to feel pretty like if you're a Knicks fan, Stephen A. Right now has got to feel pretty good about this series going in. So what do you got? Well. When you look at this series, it's going to be Jalen Brunson versus Donovan Mitchell because of, you know, Jalen Brunson going to the New York Knicks, Donovan Mitchell being linked to possibly, you know, be traded there in that whole nine. A lot of people wanted Donovan Mitchell, but what they failed to realize is that Jalen Brunson was a guy that was a diamond in the rough for them. He has been able to lead this team to where they are right now, a five seat facing the four seat, the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I think when it's all said and done, I just believe Cleveland have – they have more firepower. You look at Darius Garland. You look at Evan Mobley. You got Allen uh, protecting the middle. You got Karis LeVert coming off the bench as well. That could be an instant score for you. I think. I just think there's there's so much for Cleveland in firepower that they have that they're going to win this series. And I think this series is actually going to go seven games. Yeah. Uh, so look, I also think it's going to go seven games. Uh, I think th- it will be interesting because there is a ton of pressure. It doesn't feel like there's any pressure in Cleveland, right? Like Cleveland at this point sort of flown on the radar. There's no pressure in Cleveland. What I do think is interesting is that you get further and further into this series, you're only going to feel more and more pressure if you're New York, partially because you're the Knicks, partially because we talk about the Knicks all the time, partially because of the way the Knicks are covered, and partially, to your point, because every single – if Donovan Mitchell has one good game in this series, it is going to make people scream and yell what could have been, right? So that's a wild amount of pressure to put on the Knicks in this series. Oh, he's going to have a good game. He's yeah. going to have a good game in this series. Right? Now, trust me. I mean, he's going to want but, – But I also believe that Jalen Brunson will too. I, I, I totally. I think Jalen Brunson this year has. Been, I, I'll say he's been the better player. I think this year, but I will say this: I think the Donovan Mitchell is going to want to go into the Garden and really get his right. Like so, I think. Oh, the, yeah. I think the pressure becomes the real difference here. I'm also going Cleveland in seven. We've agreed on every single series. I don't know how well, can, I feel. Well, about can I that. say this also yeah, because I've been. Um, at Madison Square Garden during playoff time, there's nothing better when it comes to playoff basketball than having a game at Madison Square Garden and hearing their fans cheer and just the atmosphere. It's any and everything, man. So really looking forward to watching that on TV and just seeing the fans go crazy because their Knicks are balling out. I mean, why don't you get that Douglas private jet? Come on up and I'll meet you at the Garden. We'll go. You well, get I don't a need sc- a private jet. I can just go first class on Delta. You know I'm a Diamond member. Uh, well, I know you're a Diamond member, but I just figured that PJ <laughs> comes right on up. I, I don't know. Like, are you getting us courtside for uh, for some Garden tickets in the playoffs? Like, my guy got Masters tickets in eight seconds. He's got to be able to get us courtside. Like, I want court side like, well, like I don't I, want like anybody to... sitting in front of me I want a padded seat that's right in the front like I mean, I... it might not be courtside but as I told Michael Collins I mean I know a ton of people and a ton of people know me it's not just about who you know but also who knows you mm, so what I just heard is that we're having a I show out happen, Cap. show outing at the garden all right there's two teams facing a ton of pressure in the east but who has more of it we'll break it down next Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio they're really connected offensively. When the Celtics are hitting their threes, they're nearly impossible to beat. All the pressure is on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The matchup with Atlanta Hawks is um, definitely going to be a great challenge for them. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Go home. Play in doubleheader. 
First in Miami, the Heat face the Chicago Bulls. Then in Minneapolis, it's the T-Wolves and Oklahoma City Thunder. Coverage begins tonight at 6.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Pressure is an interesting thing. And sometimes it's about the now, it's about the later, it's about all of it wrapped up in one. But because we all define it differently, figuring out who's under the most of it can be difficult. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sexual healing. I started to say Sirius XM while I was singing along and I just couldn't manage it. Oh, baby. Now we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Whew, Devin. Devin's setting a mood on Love Fridays. Devin and Evan always doing God's work on this show. Doing a great job keeping us all under control. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Pressure in the East is interesting, Harry, because, you know, there, there is so much context to pressure. What does it mean for pressure? Are we talking about long-term legacy? Are we talking about got to get it done now? These are all different variables, and everybody stacks it up differently. But when I say pressure in the East, and then we start talking about which teams have the most of it, who comes to mind first for you? Uh, for me, I'm going to go to Boston Celtics. They were the team that represented the Eastern Conference last season and got to the NBA Finals. And for some odd and apparent reason, Jason Tatum decided that he wanted to, uh, you know, let that series be the one where he drew blanks, right? You, you got to be able to be the superstar that everybody expects you to be in the biggest moments. In the NBA Finals last year, that wasn't him. Also, when you look at their head coach and Joe Mazzula, right, they were able to make an NBA Finals last year with Ime Adoka as their head coach. Joe Mazzula, this is his first year doing this. Let's see if he's going to be able to stir the ship and put those guys in the right positions to push them forward to have another Finals appearance. Also, when you look at Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum and also Jalen Brown, that tandem, that wonderful duo, we don't know if that duo is going to be there in the future. So you want to try to take advantage as much as possible while you have both of those guys. And you look at Jason Tatum right now, averaging 30 points a game. I just think he has to put this team on his back. You also have Jalen Brown, who showed up immensely and over and over again in the playoffs a season ago. But Fitz, we talked to him, right? We talked to him on Keyshawn J. Will and Max last week, and I wouldn't be surprised at some point if Jalen Brown wanted to go somewhere else and try to win the NBA championship that way. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. He's another homegrown Georgia guy right here where I'm from, went to Wheeler High School and that whole nine. But I think the Celtics, when you look at what they were able to accomplish a season ago, the two uh, players that they have on their team, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who can get a bucket at any given min- minute and can also can defend. And But then you look at you know, adding a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. You added another piece to the puzzle – in which you felt like you needed because of the turnovers in the NBA Finals a year ago. So I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. Uh, Well, and look, Kendrick Perkins was on with us earlier, and this is what Perk had to say about the same question. He agreed with you. No matter how much people want to say, oh, you know, Jason Tatum and Jay LeBron, they're young. They'll be together forever. That's not true. That's not true. The way that the league is going and the way that players move around, you know, year after year, they have to capitalize on the moment right now. I don't disagree with any of that. It makes a lot of sense. I think the reason I have a little bit of lenience, let's say, for the the Celtics is because 
they have an inexperienced head coach in this situation, right? So there's there's their yeah, but. I can't find a yeah, but for the 76ers. The problem for Philly is that they just keep running it back and back and back and back. And so at some point, the pressure becomes not just how does Philly make the most of having Joel Embiid. I, that, that's one part of the conversation. And I'm not even big, as you know, on legacy conversations. So I'm not even talking about that. What I am talking about with Philly is what's going to make you better than Boston and better than Milwaukee? That's what I can't find the answer to. So at some point, the only answer to that is these guys together are going to have to show that they are better. Like there's not a there's not a quick addition here that's suddenly going to change everything for Philly. So in my mind, the reason that there's pressure on Philly is that they just need to show as currently constructed, they can represent the East. Right now, I think as currently constructed, uh, all things being equal, I think Boston's better. I think Milwaukee's better. So now all of a sudden, if I'm looking at these two teams that are better, I just keep thinking about the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Are we not in that spot at this point with the 76ers who have a a player that is not just a guy? They have one of the guys, one of the superstars, right? They have such a respected centerpiece for their organization. They have elements around them that are supposed to be very good. They have a James Harden that should be able to come in and finally figure out how to play in these big moments. They've got some guys around them that can be contributors on a deep playoff run. They just have to do it. And that's a different level of pressure to me because it's not like a, well, you know what, wait and see next year. We're going to add this guy. For Philly, you're looking around saying, for the love of things, all things holy, like let's just see these guys on this roster with this coach play the way they're supposed to play at the highest possible level and then see if they, just as they are constructed, can be better than Milwaukee or or Boston. And if the answer is no, then you got to start changing things up. Well, see, the ceiling for me this season for the Philadelphia 76ers was the Eastern Conference Finals. That was my ceiling. My ceiling, when I look at the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, is the NBA Finals. That's fair. That's the ceiling for both of those teams, and I just got the Eastern Conference Finals for Philly. Right? When I look at the Boston Celtics, listen, when you have a Jason Tatum, right, who's a superstar in this league, and you have Jalen Brown, a guy that can get a bucket at any given moment in the way he's playing this season, you have two guys that can create. You have two of them at any given moment in the game. And if one of your stars are, just happens to be off, if Jason Tatum is off, don't worry, Jalen Brown has his back. Now, can we necessarily just say that about the Philadelphia 76ers? No. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah, you're Embiid, right. We know Embiid is going to be Embiid, but when we seen in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, we seen Jason Tatum wasn't at his best and he was off in the game. Who stepped up? It was Jalen Brown. In the NBA Finals, you know, when – uh, Jason Tatum was still having those turnover problems. Who stepped up? It was Jalen Brown, right? I can't say that about the Philadelphia 76ers. James Harden is still a question mark. He's still a question mark. So that's why I put this, the Celtics over the Sixers. Yeah, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers. Apply online today. Any pressure on Milwaukee at all? I mean, I know Milwaukee mm-hmm. just won a title, but like it wasn't that long ago. It was like, well, Coach Bud can't make these adjustments, and they're not getting younger with some of their secondary pieces. So, like, are we going to reach some Aaron Rodgers like conversation of how have you only won one title with Giannis as good as Giannis is if they don't win it? Well, I would say this. Uh, I would say no from the simple fact that if you know they get to the Eastern Conference Finals and they lose to a team like the Celtics, right? Or if they even lose to a team like the Philadelphia 76ers, are we going to be more upset at Milwaukee for losing that series or are we going to are we going to praise, you know, Philly or the Boston Celtics more? You you see what I'm saying? No, Plus they just won an NBA title 2 years ago. 
literally two years ago, they just won the NBA championship. So I, I don't think there's any pressure uh, on, on Giannis Antetokounmpo and also the Milwaukee Bucks because not, not long ago, they just won an NBA championship. Yeah, I think we're a year removed from that. If today, yeah. a year from right now, we're having that conversation, it probably looks a lot different. It, the pressure in the East is going to be wild because unlike the West, the West feels like it's wide open. Anybody can win. We have no idea. In the East, there are three teams that are all trying to show that they're built not just to win right now, but they're also going to be able to figure out a way to leapfrog each other over the next few years. Uh, we'll keep you updated on it, obviously, but Daniel Snyder's time in Washington coming to an end. That doesn't mean it's the end of the road for that conversation with the NFL, though. We'll explain what we mean next. Fitz and Harry. On your smart speakers, just tell them, hey, play ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. There is a preliminary agreement between the group led by Josh Arish, the owner of the 76ers, and Daniel Snyder to sell the Commanders for what would be a record price, $6.05 billion. Daniel Snyder is going to sell the Washington Commanders. But that doesn't mean all of the conversation around the commanders, what's happened in the past, and what's going on with the franchise will stop. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And Harry, I think it's just important here to remember that the sell of a franchise is inevitable at this point, according to multiple reports and our very own Adam Schefter. It looks like this thing is done. Uh, Daniel Snyder is no longer going to be the owner of the Washington Commanders. That's fine. But that doesn't mean that suddenly you just uh, close all the books on every investigation, throw it away and say, good, now that we got that done, I'm glad we don't have to talk about that anymore. At some point, the NFL is still going to have to answer, not just to the fans, but we have to also remember that this is all part of congressional hearings as well. Like These things don't just end because of a sell. Uh, yeah, uh, I want the reports. Like when Mary Jo White is finished with her investigation and the whole nine, uh, I, I want to figure out what else is in there, right? I just don't want Daniel Snyder to be able to sell this team and just walk scot-free without, you know, the stuff, the proper things coming out. And I just think when you look at the timeline and the history of things that, 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 that has gone on with the Washington Commanders, and I start with August 2020, right? 42 women face harassment in the workplace, harassment claims against Daniel Snyder. Then you move to 2000, December 2020, um, reports emerged that the Commanders reached a $1.6 million settlement in 2009 with an employee that accused Snyder of sexual misconduct. 2021 in July, the team fined $10 million by, uh, by the NFL for workplace culture, and Daniel Snyder, uh, uh, Daniel Snyder had to be named a co-CEO two days um, earlier. Also, the Congress House Committee uh, report found evidence the team underreporting ticket revenue in the NFL, and the list just goes on and on and on and on again. And I think it's safe to say, Fitz, I, I go up to the DMV area uh, probably the last two months, two or three months, probably five times, right? I'm going there again tonight, and the people that I talk to, right, they, they're, they're, they're so excited for Daniel Snyder not to be the owner of the Washington Commanders anymore. And I just can't help but look at a game that I'm doing this weekend, the D.C. Defenders versus the Arlington Renegades, right, the XFL team. And the stadium at Audi Field is sold out for the game. So this, this the, D, the D.C. area, those fans, they want a winner so bad. But also, 
they want their franchise not to be laughed about, talked about in a negative light as well. I think moving on from Daniel Snyder and uh, look, looks like it's going to be the Josh Harris group. I think it's a phenomenal thing for in, for the NFL. I think it's a phenomenal things uh, thing for the commanders and their fans, also for the city and the area, the DMV area. I just think it's a positive light now moving towards that football team. And I'll tell you from a player's perspective, when you're a player and you want to walk around with your with your team's gear on with pride and be able to, you know, let it be known and, and let it be seen. It's hard to do that when, you, when you're playing for the Washington Commanders because people are always pointing and looking and saying that, hey, you know what, your owner did A, B, C, or D. Now they have an opportunity, and it's not going to all be erased you know, as quickly as you want it to be erased, but it's a step in the process and a step towards, I'm going to go ahead and say it, greatness because you don't have that toxic workplace with Daniel Snyder and you don't have that dark cloud uh, hovering over your organization anymore because of the sale of the team and somebody else is coming in to take take over. Well, and I think Washington Commanders fans are, are anxious to turn the page. In my mind, the best way to turn the page is to be very honest and blunt about what you're turning the page from. So there is still some sort of a process that goes through. Even if Commanders fans will sit there and say, new ownership, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, you still have to sort of acknowledge the faults of the organization first before mm-hmm. you can move forward. That's true of anybody in life. If you want you to move crawl forward. got to crawl before you walk. 100%. And there's nothing wrong with looking at it and saying, this is who we were. We're, gonna, we're going to be a very thorough, real, open investigation to it because by being thorough, real, and open, you give people some sort of confidence that that's no longer who you are. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst was on NFL Live, and this is what Mina had to say about what needs to happen next for the league and Snyder. An owner who is currently facing federal investigations for some of these charges, as well as the financial misbehavior, as well as a new, new, not like another investigation from the NFL itself. And that is just one thing I do want to highlight, because even if this sale does go through and Daniel Snyder is no longer an NFL owner, I do think it is imperative that the NFL finishes that investigation and releases it because if they do care about transparency and some of the values that they've been espousing as they continue with this investigation, releasing it becomes paramount in my mind. Part of it is about the culture the NFL is trying to establish because yes, just bro, because that, that, that's why I'm sorry that, that's why what Mina just said at the end is, is very key. You talk about the league uh, being transparent about things and and, and you know you know, trying to show that they care about A, B, C, and D. Well, I think coming out with this stuff and letting people know what's going on, that, that's being transparent. Not sweeping it under the rug and hiding it so no one sees what's going on. But we, the people want to know. I want to know, to be honest with you. I think it's also about what's happened under their watch as a league. Like, there's only 32 teams, 32 owners. There's only 32 sets of standards and practices. And when you are part of that group and one of your franchises has gone as far off the grid as, as the commanders have with what they've done, and you mentioned so much of the timeline, Harry, I, I think at some point the league has to step up and say, okay, we're going to continue this investigation because the only way we as a league can ensure that this doesn't happen anywhere else in the league is to be clear and thorough with our investigation. No different than, you know, when how often do we see it in college sports where there's a controversy of any sort? The answer isn't just let the coach go and all of a sudden everything's going to be just fine. You still have to go through these processes because what you're trying to do is fix a term that we hear a lot in, in college sports, lack of institutional control. That means everything's gone so haywire that nobody's controlled anything that feels like what's happened for Washington but that happened 
under the umbrella of the NFL. The NFL was right there. It was right under their nose, and they didn't know or tell us that it was happening. Either way, either way, they have to go through this process to assure the world that if this happens again, they're not going to just stand aside and let it happen. Now, I will ask you this. Do you think they didn't know or they just didn't tell us? I think they just didn't tell us, 100%. Okay, there you go. Because, like, so now we got to get to another conversation of, okay, the NFL got to stop protecting, you know, owners when, it, when bad things arise. I mean, that, that's, that's what... That's that's to stop. That's what Roger Goodell really gets paid for. I laugh all the time when people talk yeah, about I what know, Roger but, but Goodell gets paid for. You're it's right. Crazy to me. Like, the, the whole thing to me that's wild is when we don't like something from the NFL, it doesn't matter what fan base we are, what do we do? We yell at Roger Goodell, like, well, how could Roger do that? Roger ain't doing anything. The 32 owners are doing everything. But by having Roger Goodell there, instead of me as a Raiders fan looking at it and saying, how could Mark Davis allow this? I turn around and say, well, how could Roger Goodell allow this? Like, he is the perfect shield for the shield through all yeah. of this. That's and all. they pay him. They, they, his salary is paid by the owners in the National Football League. He is, he is paid to take the beating they don't want to take, and then there's no accountability to them. And if the league ever wants us to trust anything that they're doing when it comes to this stuff, like I just want everybody to be real with me. If the league doesn't care, then stand up and just tell the world, well, yeah, we don't really give a damn. We just got rid of them. We're just not going to talk about it. But if they want us to believe that they actually care about what was happening, it's not as simple uh, in any workforce. It's not as simple as, well, let's get rid of this guy. You also have to look at the systems, the practices, what came into place that allowed that to, 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 to happen. What are you going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? What are you going to do to make sure that you have better accountability, that you have better reporting, all of these things. The league has to answer these questions, with or without Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder can take his, air quotes, punishment, which is multi-billion dollar pro- profits. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the league's still got to be transparent. We'll stay in the NFC East because one team made a decision back in March, now has to live with it. We'll tell you about it next. Uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Brought to you by Wendy's $3 Breakfast Deal. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. From the varsity to Lemon Pepper Wings. Lemon Pepper what? And the Hawks and the Falcons. Nothing but that. Trey Young, Ice Trey. What's hot in Atlanta this week? That's it. I object. I object to this whole show now. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Can't come in with all that aggressiveness on Love Friday. What's hot in Atlanta? I need like a sensual version of it that's like, what's hot in Atlanta? Other than Harry Douglas. What's hot in Atlanta? See how that works? Ooh. We're playing that because that must mean that there's Atlanta news. It's going to be a long football season for me. Juicy fruit. I don't know, but you saying juicy fruit didn't make the day better. Well, because the news that the news that I have is juicy. Oh my god, juicy's not a great word. The it's news great... that I have is juicy. Oh, I'm not kidding. Yeah, it's I, juicy. I, hot take: juicy is by far a worse word than moist or damp. Any of the other weird words? I say it again. The news that I have is juicy. All right. Well, you know, can we can we nickname Bud Dupree Juicy on this show? 
Juicy no, Dupree, his no son. other uh, damn man, Juicy. Now that's taking I, a I step mean, too far. I'm just saying, uh, Juicy Dupree uh, is now an Atlanta Falcon, and this is somebody you and I have watched a lot of because we both have so much history around Nashville. Both uh, watch a lot of Titans. Uh, obviously, Bud Dupree, somebody that uh, has had some success in this league. He's no longer a Titan. He uh, is now an Atlanta Falcon. Uh, obviously, uh, so this is a big this is a big signing for Atlanta, though they continue to just rack up D linemen. See, this is big, and Devin, I need you to clip this off, what I'm about to say. Now, I warned y'all not too long ago about what the Atlanta Falcons were doing building this roster out. I really hope y'all are paying attention to what is going on right now because now adding Bud Dupree, that's another piece to the puzzle. So you have Bud Dupree, you have Calais Campbell, you have David Omiyata, you have uh, Caden Ellis. You also have Jeff Okuda, in which they traded for and sent the uh, Detroit Lions a, a fifth-round draft pick. And then you signed Jesse Bates III to go along with Arnold Ebiketti, who had a phenomenal rookie season, Grady Jarrett and A.J. Terrell, and um, uh, Michael Walker at the linebacker position, and Troy Anderson, who they drafted a year ago as well. This team that the Atlanta Falcons are building, people better start to take notice and stop sleeping on them. Because I'm telling you right now, when they ball out in the fall – don't try to give me the call because I tried to warn you early on. When they, so I'm telling can, you right now, when come, they ball out in the fall, it's too late to try to give me the call because I'm warning all of you right now. Get on the wagon now and don't wait till the season start because Atlanta's building something special. Trust me. Uh, can we call it fallout, uh, you know, since they're balling out in the fall? Like, uh, uh, just <laughs> workshopping here. Uh, so you're telling me that a 30-year-old D lineman that's only had more than eight sacks twice in his career so far is supposed to be some reason that I'm excited? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be like an old country western movie. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to watch the Atlanta Falcons train. Go right on by and I'm going to tip my hat and be like, uh, thank you, thank you, pass look, on by. You're, look, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're looking at it from the wrong oh, so perspective. Less sacks, less snaps, more sacks? Come on. You're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Look at what Atlanta's building defensive-wise. You notice a theme here. They're attacking the defensive side of the ball, right, in, in, in which they need to help pass rush-wise and also in their secondary. That's, those are the point of emphasis coming into this offseason. Those are the things that they're shoring up right now at this moment, that the, the defensive front line, the front seven, and also the back end, the secondary. How many, I love the moves that they're making. So how, Arthur how, Smith, Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, phenomenal job so far. Phenomenal. I, I, how many touchdowns is Bud Dupree going to throw for? Because last time I checked, you still don't have a quarterback. I'm just throwing sh- – look, I'm throwing all sorts of Listen, shade. Throwing all sorts of heat. You can't tell sheet. me what we don't have if you haven't seen a full season of Desmond Ritter. Oh, well, I mean, okay, but you haven't seen a full season of me playing quarterback either, but you ain't going to pick me to go to the playoffs, are you? I mean, uh, look <laughs> – Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 I've got. I've got. You, you have been warned. You have been warned. There is a show bet to go. Let me. Let me ask it this way. I'm going to ask everybody on the show because we have a show wager at this point. Whichever team finishes in last place, the fan of that team is going mm-hmm. to have to buy dinner for everybody on the team. Evan is a Jets fan. Uh, Devin is a Giants fan. I'm a Raiders fan. You're a Falcons fan. Let me ask you this very important question. We'll start with Devin. Does the signing of Bud Dupree? change any way that you feel about our standing existing bet? No. Evan, does it change okay. any way you feel about our bet? I didn't think the Bud Dupree sh- signing should have changed our rundown, and it did. So when you- oh, oh, look at that. I'm look- the wrong guy to ask. Wow. Evan is, okay. uh, Evan's playing willy-nilly with this Jets Aaron Rodgers confidence. Like, Can we just agree that there's one thing this entire show other make, than Evan is rooting I, I, for? I want to make sure we clip this entire thing off. 
because we're going to revisit this at the end of the season next year, I, and I can't wait to revisit. What? I mean, it. what counts as success though? But, like, I mean, no, 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 no. They win a bad division. Don't get technical now. I just want to run this back at the end of the season next year. That's all I want to do. Just make sure we save this in the files, Evan and Devin. Like, make sure we save it. Like, we're going to run this segment back because you're going to tell us how great Bud Dupree was or you're going to tell me how great the Falcons are. Because, like, of all the teams, of the teams we root for, I actually think the Falcons probably have the best chance to win their division. Like, more than the Jets. Like, oh, the so Falcons— now, now you're getting smart. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Say it again. Right. Say but, it again. like, the Bud Dupree signing does nothing to change that. Yeah, I, I will say okay. this. If I was going to make the right. name Bud Dupree a shot game for the fall, like, take a shot every time they say, like, a huge play by Bud Dupree, I'd still be sober at the end look of every at, single look at, Sunday. Look at all three of y'all taking shots at me. Three uh-huh. guys who played at a very high level taking yeah, shots yeah, at the yeah. one oh, guy who actually played. Oh, no, oh, look at you guys. Look at, look, at, look at you three do guys do on the sideline, sideline hating. You, you know, guys sideline hating over uh, there. I Bud Dupree signing. Oh, yeah. I played the game. Oh, yeah. oh. How Look many, at you three guys how many touch, wait, wait, How many touchdowns did Bill Belichick or Andy Reid throw for? That's my only question to that. Every time people are like, you didn't play the game. Well, how many touchdowns well, come did on they now. throw? You ain't no Bill Belichick. Uh, no but yeah, you no, damn stop. right I ain't. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Let's stop here, okay? <laughs> he did win Let's the stop. punt pass kick contest, Andy Reid. So uh, how many punt pass kick contests have you won, I don't have bendy hips, but I could try and get there at some point. Like I could try at you guys over there just crapping on me and the Bud Dupree signing and oh. what the Atlanta Falcons are doing in this offseason. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I think We're going to clip this off. We're going to clip this off, and we will see who will get the last laugh when it's all said and done. I think you have every right to be so excited for where the Falcons are headed this year, even though we have no idea what they have at quarterback. I just think that <laughs> Bud Dupree may not be, you know, like I don't think we're throwing a – we're throwing a party for, for... I said it's another piece to the puzzle, okay. right? What we're highlighting is what the Atlanta Falcons have done this offseason. Mm-hmm. And, right? and we That's put what this, we're highlighting. Yeah, we put this whole puzzle together, and I still don't know what they're doing. Like, I'm just going to keep preaching on this quarterback thing. Well, can, oh. can y'all keep a draft pick that y'all drafted the last five years on look, your team? Can we they talking, be productive? Look, I, this wasn't about... This wasn't Outside about. of Josh Jason, Jacobs, can, can y'all, as in the Raiders, keep a draft pick on your roster? Max that you Crosby. actually draft Max in the first Crosby. round? Max Crosby. Max Crosby. Okay. <laughs> look, I don't know. I know that I'm going to drink too much every Sunday because my beloved Raiders are going to suck. I'll admit it. One Three in Three Musketeers over there sideline hate. One in a million. Does anyone have a chance to pull off a first-round upset? We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry, ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 